You're listening to Locked on Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Today's episode, we have a scheduling update related to a cancellation for the men's basketball team. We are also going to use today as our typical preview episode for Saturday's football matchup. This upcoming game is against Syracuse. So we've got a lot to cover preparing you for that matchup so you know everything you need to know about this weekend's football game and the final game of the ACC regular season for Notre Dame. Before we get into that, though, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper at the Division I level, joined by my co-host Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible, as well as an NFL Draft and college football analyst. So, Ryan, we received unexpected news. Actually, you can't even really call it unexpected with COVID going on. These things are going to continue to happen. The Tennessee game was already canceled. But on Tuesday night, amidst all the commotion with Notre Dame clinching a spot in the ACC championship game, we missed out on the fact that the Western Michigan game was canceled this this or postponed until they can figure out when they can fit it into the schedule but there's probably a pretty good chance that it actually is canceled so this is coming out to you on Thursday we're recording this during the day on Wednesday you probably already know that the game was canceled we're talking about this though to update on a upcoming opponent that in replacement of that Tennessee game on the 5th they're now playing Purdue Fort Worth at 11 a.m at the Purcell Pavilion in the Joyce Center. So that is going to be their home opener. A a small amount of background on this Purdue-Fort Wayne team. They're 1-0. Their only win on the year is against Southeastern Louisiana. Their next game, which is supposed to be on Thursday, is against Adrian. I have no clue if that's even a Division I program. But, Ryan, what are are your thoughts on, uh, on this schedule change? We lose the Western Michigan game and then arguably getting an even easier opponent. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just a large scope that's going to be a little worrisome here because we talked about this before. But, like, with football, I feel like it's a little easier to make sure, like, like, even in football, right? Let me start off here. In football, we have seen on a week-to-week basis so many cancellations, things getting moved around, things getting postponed, them not being made up. Like, there, it's just been such a, a, a flux of scheduling issues, and that is in a game where you're playing one football game every week. So when you're talking about basketball, I've been really worried for several weeks now that with so much constant movement, so much traveling – that in so many games being played every week, it seems like, right? Like, what was Notre Dame supposed to have three games this week? Like, it, it's just so much constant movement that I don't know how they're going to control the 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 spread. Well, not they're not going to be able to control the spread, but they're not going to be able to, to really control their own situation with traveling. And I think, feel like this is just a starts, you know, the Tennessee game and now Western Michigan getting canceled this is just the start of what is going to be a really tough road for basketball, college basketball in general. I think it's going to be very tough. It's not the NBA where we can put everybody in a bubble. We can figure it out. Like There's just so much constant movement in college basketball that it is very unfortunate 
that this that this is the world that we live in right now, and I feel really bad for these college basketball players who had their season cut short last year and now have to deal with all these cancellations. Picking up the game, like it's nice that we you know were able to pick up this game to make up for it, but it, it, I feel like at some point with all the constant movement, it's going to be very tough for college basketball to maintain this season to maintain the ability to play these games and continue to reschedule because there's just so many constant moving parts that ultimately I don't think is really good for everyone. So I I think it's just a very unfortunate situation right now. If I'm being entirely blunt, I really would not be surprised if at this trajectory we have have another stoppage in the season like we had last year. It hasn't even really been super reported on all of these various cancellations because there's been so many of them. Like you can't even really wrap your head around who's getting canceled where. And we're not even like multiple games into the season. Notre Dame's played one game and they've already lost two games on their schedule. You already pointed out the complications that comes with basketball that football doesn't have to deal with. Football, if somebody gets sick early on in the week or in the middle of the week, you have enough time to figure out who can you swap in or if you can cancel the game or not. But if somebody gets gets sick on a team you played two days ago and then you're supposed to play in another day, that really complicates things because you you know even if nobody on your team has it, you can't go play your next opponent. You have to sit out and, and think of the safety of whoever you're supposed to be playing and also your team's own safety of getting healthy. So college basketball, frankly, was not built for this. And I don't want to sound overly negative, but there might be another stoppage until they can figure this thing out. Because right now, the way that they're handling it is very clearly poorly. Football did not go without bumps. There were a lot of bumps in the road just to get the season played. And that's already at risk of not being able to finish. But basketball right now, man, that... Right out the gate, this many cancellations is a horrendous sign. Yeah, and and it's like specifically for the Tennessee game, not even focusing on Western Michigan too much, right? Like that's a far travel. No matter if Notre Dame is going there or they're coming here, like that is a far travel situation for a team, you know. And and, and looking at some of these teams that Notre Dame scheduled, like it it now they're trying to pick up like a a, a Purdue Fort Worth, like a smaller school. That regionally makes more sense for the travel, but it's to a point here, like even a close game like this, it's it's still the fact of how many games we're playing in such a short amount of time because you're still, you know, contact tracing with potentially multiple teams at a time. It's not like, you know, you can figure it out on a week-to-week basis and then make the necessary precautions. Like it's such a constant moving thing that even if you go completely regionally and, and decide hey, you know, in this square radius is the only games that we're playing. One, that's not going to work out for the ACC conference in general. But if that's like your mentality that you're going to just get all these local teams that it's going to be closer, you know, movement, it's it's the fact of the volume of games, right? So, like, it's not even the fact of, of the travel as much as the fact of we're playing so many games in such little amount of time and we're not able to do a bubble system where we can control – the travel it's it's just so much constant movement and so many teams in a short amount of time that i i don't anticipate this being something that they can they can make work for a for a long amount of time 
just to wrap this up, basketball is also one of the few sports where you can have tournament-style play where everybody is in the same location because your whole program is a fifth of the size of a football program, and that's including trainers, coaches, all of your players, graduate assistants. To bring all those guys, you really only need like 20 people with you. So I don't understand why there wasn't an approach by each conference to say, all right, we're going to bring everybody to this area. We're going to keep everybody in the same hotel. We're not going to let them leave. And we're just going to try and play in the same arena and keep everybody close. But instead, there's a lack of leadership, I believe, for a sport that needed serious organization to work it out. So that's what the complications we're dealing with right now. There was a serious lack of organization, which is leading to all the problems that we're seeing. Hopefully things do clear up. Hopefully with some vaccine implementation in the next three or four months can maybe change the direction of things, but we're not in that realm to talk about things medically. There is still uncertainty. That's the only way to phrase it, that there is there is uncertainty. But to, to transition to something that we are more certain of, Notre Dame is playing Syracuse this weekend on Saturday. Uh, we are going to preview the Syracuse offense coming up. Before we get to that, though, folks, I would like to share a message with you about my favorite beer out there on the market, which is Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit that reset button. That's when you reach for the Coors Light it's made to chill. So if you're looking for something to sit back and relax and grab, I honestly recommend Coors Light. As somebody who has a hectic week, as I say all the time, someone who who has inconsistent work hours, I can tell you personally, Coors Light is the beer that I like to grab at the end of the week when I want to just relax, watch some football, and take some time to myself. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, and it's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Ryan, let's get into some football talk for this final game of ACC regular season play before we turn the page, have a week off, and then we can transition our focus to talking about Clemson, who we are now going to see Notre Dame face for a second time. I'd like to get into the Syracuse discussion, though, talking about their offense. And Ryan, I want to lead in this point of illustrating how bad the Syracuse offense is. I'm not typically going to do this, and I know we've only done a few game previews. I'm at least going to try to put a positive spin on things. But doing my investigative statistical research, there is no way to positively spin much for this Syracuse team. So just to put things in perspective, they've only surpassed 30 points in one game. That was against Georgia Tech. That was their one win of the year. They cannot run the football well. They are only averaging 78.3 yards per game. That is bottom 10 in the NCAA. Throwing the ball only 172.1 yards per game. That is bottom 20 in the NCAA. 
only converting, they're only converting 25% of the time on third down. That is good for 121st in the country. And then lastly, they've allowed 37 sacks in 10 games. That is the second worst mark out of any team in the country. So pretty plain and simple, without getting into any players or anything, Ryan, this is a horrible offense. They're terrible. Well, I was going to ask, are those are those good? Are those good statistics, Joe? I, uh, I don't think they are. I would, <laughs> I would hope not. The, the one I want to say really quick that scares me the most, to be in the bottom 20 when most of the teams in the bottom 20 are the teams that run triple option, like like the like I, Navy and Air Force and stuff like that. The fact that you're in yeah. that mix, that is that is bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say there's context there too because there's several teams that run the triple option that barely throw the football. I, I mean, uh, looking at some of these numbers, and it's really it's really odd because a couple of years ago, if you remember, Syracuse had like a nine or 10 win season and, and Dino Baber was, was kind of the hot name on the coaching market. And it has gone downhill the last couple of years for Dino Babers and, and his staff. And, and these statistics are very ugly to say the least. Um, I think if there is one positive note to the Syracuse offense, and um, I say the one, literally the one positive is there's a <laughs> dynamic wide receiver that they do have. That's a true junior. His name is Taj Harris. And it's actually a interesting one for me because I actually coached against Taj Harris when he was in high school. He went to Palmyra High School here oh. in South Jersey, um, right over the bridge from, from uh, Pennsylvania. Um, and he was a, I mean, as you can imagine, playing group group one football in New Jersey, he was quite good. He was a dynamic wide receiver his first um, his sophomore year, over 1,000 yards. And then they actually moved him to quarterback his last two years, um, a little sporadic at that position because that's not his natural position. But you can see the playmaking ability that he has. And he has 50 catches, 664 yards, five touchdowns, all leading the team by a large margin. He almost doubles the, the second-leading receiver on the team. He has 20 more receptions than the second, second guy on the team. So – He's the guy offensively, and he has some really nice speed. He's listed at six foot two. He's got a little bit of length to him. He's not the most physically imposing player in the world because he's very skinny. But if there's a player that could give Notre Dame corners, I'm looking at you, Tyreek Bracy. If there's if there's a guy that can give you a little bit of a tough time, that is the that is Taj Harris. He is their best offensive player by a large margin. So. As a Notre Dame supporter, a Notre Dame fan, just a person generally watching the football game, Taj Harris is the guy to watch, number three in that offense, that if Syracuse is going to have any consistency offensively, it's probably going to be cycling through number three's hands because he is their most dynamic player. And he has the opportunity, because he is very talented, to make plays against what is probably Notre Dame's weakest position defensively at corner. So... Just a guy to keep an eye on. If there is any shining moment, any shining star in this game, it's probably number three, Taj Harris. And I just want to say before we transition to defense, I don't want anybody to think that we're clowning on them and we're looking past them. This is the honest opinion here. They've got one really talented player. Taj Harris is very talented, and he's somebody to pay attention to. If somebody is going to have a good game, it's going to be him. And we've actually seen some decent to above average receivers have quality games against Notre Dame because the corner play has been a little bit inconsistent for the Irish. But we're just being completely honest here. 
they are not a very good offensive team. And this really might be a candidate for a game where through the first three quarters, they completely shut them out or limit them to one touchdown. And because this is actually technically the senior day game, maybe when you put some of your seniors in, maybe some walk-ons in, if the, the, if the lead is big enough, they would give up some points later on. So I'm looking to pay attention more so to what happens in those first three quarters. And I don't have very high expectations for, for this, this Syracuse offense. Yeah, and, and, and to kind of couple that, right, like Taj Harris is dynamic. Their quarterback play, on the other hand, though, is not. Tommy DeVito was going to be the guy going into the year. They've had injuries at the position. Cole Peppers had to play. True freshman Morgan's had to play. Like, not consistency getting Taj Harris the ball, and that's going to set you back a little bit. They haven't been able to run the football very well. I think if there's one other bright spot to this podcast talking about the Syracuse is I think Jody Leone is finally going to uh, pick Notre Dame to win a game. So that's good. To I have picked Notre Dame to win every game, but I have been realistic in the score predictions, okay? I think that that is, uh, that is fair. You can't fault me on that. My, my picks are better. Let's just let's just say. I'm pretty picks. sure my pick last week was closer. All right, we coming up. We're going to talk about this Syracuse defense in a few minutes, um, and you'll get to hear our thoughts on some of the strengths this team actually has defensively. Folks, if you're looking for something else to listen to, check out Locked on NFL on Sunday. If you're looking for a Sunday program show that talks about every game and every team in depth, check out the Locked on NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, folks, later on in the week, actually not later on in the week, tomorrow, Friday, you're going to hear from uh, Tyler Akai of Locked On Syracuse, his perspective on the game and also his thoughts on how this game could possibly turn out, and maybe some key players that he has in his perspective. So speaking of key players, Ryan, somebody who draws my attention, and I know he draws your attention to, on a defense that is actually not as bad as some people might expect. They've actually held their own in a number of, of tough matchups, and I would give a, a big credit to sophomore linebacker Michael Jones, who leads the team with four interceptions and also leads the team in tackles. So he is a very talented guy. He's all over the place, and he is the big-time playmaker for this defense. Well, I have, I have a little story about Michael Jones real quick, if I can digress for a second. It was my only time ever being at IMG Academy. I was actually there two years ago for their uh, football media day, right, where they had a dynamic team that year. Evan Neal, who's at Alabama now. Trey Sanders, who's at Alabama now. Uh, Nolan Smith, who was the top-rated player in the country that year out of Georgia. And I actually had an opportunity to, to interview Michael Jones. And um, he has really developed over the last two years. He played a little bit as a freshman, but he is, like you said, leading the team in tackles, leading the team in interceptions. Really, really fun football player. If there is – because 
Syracuse having such a rough year, they need to find players that they can build around, some young players. He's a true sophomore that I think is that guy for them over the next couple of years where they where you can you can put your hat on Michael Jones and say, this is our guy defensively. He's not the biggest backer in the world, listed around like 6'1", 230, but really smooth athlete, four interceptions. He makes plays in the pass and the run game. Really fun football player who I um, have gotten the, the chance to meet before, which is which is really fun, and I'm just really happy to see that he's developed. And I, I think the more that we move back on this defense, because the defensive line has not been great for Syracuse. The defense in general has not been um, been not been great, not been healthy really, even too in some spots. And now that we've had a couple guys opt out this year with Andre Cisco getting hurt and opting out of the rest of the year, Trill Williams just opted out a couple weeks ago. The other, uh, he plays nickelback safety, kind of uh, uh, versatile piece on the back end with Cisco playing that true free safety role, playing down in the box sometimes, also in like their, um, they call it like their rover. He's he's basically their Jeremiah Wusukoromo in a lot of instances. But they still do have, a pretty talented secondary, which I want to just kind of talk about a little bit. Garrett Williams, who's a young kid, true freshman, who uh, second in the team in interceptions, over 50 tackles. He's got something to him. I, I like him. He um, he's, he's a smaller corner, but he's feisty. He gets after it a little bit in the run game. He's physical. He's got some ball skills. A player to watch. And then the younger brother of Obi Melifonwu, if, if Yatu Melifonwu, he's a tall, athletic press man corner, listed at like 6'3". And uh, he can be very disruptive at the catch point. He can do a nice job against bigger wide receivers like your Javon McKinley's and Ben Skoranek's of the world. So there should be a good matchup on the back um, back end with a couple of those guys. Um, I just don't think that overall they have enough pieces right now. But there are a couple players that you need to look out for. The, the offense in general at Syracuse puts this defense in some bad situations. But they're not completely starved of talent defensively. Jones, Melifonwu, and Williams are guys that can give Notre Dame some issues potentially, at least early on in that game. And considering it's it's Obi Melifonwu's brother, that doesn't really surprise me that he's an athletic guy. He's a long, strong player. That was the reason why so many people were hung up on him when he was at the NFL Combine, why he ended up being drafted pretty highly because of that athletic profile and, and Melon Fonwu has flashed some of that, that similar traits and that similar physical profile of being a really dynamic athlete. I, I would like to wrap this up with though. We, we talked about how anemic this offense is and how just horrendous it is. But I think as fans, you need to expect and be prepared for maybe Notre Dame's offense to not put up 48 points. Don't expect this to be a complete easy walkover. There is a chance. Debbie Downer. I'm, I'm not Debbie trying to. Be, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just saying, just be prepared for for uh, a good, strong offensive performance. But they're going to have some stops. They're not just. This isn't a walkover defense. This is not a a, a, a bottom tier defense by any measure. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. You're just, you're just very. The, you're the pessimist of the group. So I, I am realistic. You know, pessimist a little bit. I am realistic. Realistic. If, if, if pessimistic. we if we went off of your general theme of decision making when it comes to score outcomes, every week would be sixty to nothing Notre Dame. So I'm just trying to be that's a little that's, realistic. I, I, I mean, you're you're trying to ruin things, Joe. That's not that's not going to be my score prediction. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, <laughs> so don't put, don't put words in my mouth, my friends. I, I would agree though. It's it's not a terrible defense. There are some play like I said, Jones, Melifon, Williams, 
there's some guys to hang your hat on. The problem is for a defense like this that might be missing a couple pieces when your offense is is as anemic as it has been, you're putting your defense in some bad situations and on the field too long. So that's really the detriment to this defense. It's more they're just on the field way too long opposed to them not being talented. Right, right. And we'll provide those score predictions on Friday's episode like we typically do. Uh, this game is going to be played 2.30 at home in South Bend, Indiana for their senior day game. It is going to be on NVC if you're looking to tune in as pretty much, actually, as every Notre Dame home game is on uh, NBC. So coming up on Friday, you'll hear those score predictions. We're going to talk to you a little bit about what to know about Purdue-Fort Wayne. We will also hear from Tyler Akai of Locked on Syracuse for a majority of the show. Also, folks, please follow us on social media at Locked on Irish, at Joe DeLeon, and also at Rise and Draft for Ryan. If you enjoy the show so far and you want to stay up to date, please hit that subscribe button. And if you really like us, give a nice positive review so we know what you think of the show. Lastly, if you're looking for something else to tune into, head on over to Locked on Syracuse. Hear what they're saying about this weekend's matchup, their perspective, their honest opinion when they're not directly talking to us. As I endorse every single week, whoever Notre Dame is playing, you should go listen to what the people that cover the team have to say about the opponent so you know everything you need to know about the upcoming matchup. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We will talk to you on Friday.